This episode of our podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage for your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit their website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Hey everyone, welcome again to another podcast of the Tesla Owners Online. I'm your host, Trevor Page. Uh, Before we get into the show, I want to say sorry for last week. I had some technical difficulties. My bad. My software is very persnickety about the order that I launch things in. Persnickety. Persnickety. Yes, exactly. So, But I've got it all figured out. Um, So this week, we're going to kind of reprise where we left off last week. And uh, we have some new articles and things to talk about, of course, since uh, the things that happened last week. But uh, before we begin, I want to bring in my co-host, Mr. Ian Pavelko and Eric Camacho. Gentlemen, how is it going this evening? Good evening, everyone. It's going fine over here. How about you guys? Hello, world. Hello, world. Programmer's first few lines of code. That's where that comes from, by the way, if oh, anybody yeah. knows. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How's the weather been, guys? I mean, finally, uh, spring, early spring has finally sprung where we are here. It's been rainy and stuff, but uh, we had uh, some good weather the last couple of days. I had the roof reshingled a few days ago, so things have been looking very good. And yesterday it rained all day, so um, as you can see here, there's no rain coming in, so the roof guys did a good job. <laughs> but it's, today's been sunny, um, and it's looking good for this weekend. It's been frustratingly cold in Montreal. We keep getting some reasonable, you know, 50, 60, uh, mid, mid-teens Celsius days, but it's been raining like crazy, so my grass has gone berserk. I actually was running to finish cutting the grass, uh, and I was charging batteries like crazy to keep the motor going. It was like about six feet tall. So, um, <laughs> yeah. What do you have, like an EV, like have one of those Egos or whatever they're called? Uh, it's the... Um, Good God, who makes mine? Is it Greenworks? It's it's the 80 volt. It's the big monster. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my snowblower. Yeah, yeah. That thing yeah, that's is, great. It's fierce. It'll cut trees. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> like even it's reaching its limits right now. How are things on the surface of the sun in Florida there, Eric? They're, uh, they're scorching. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, we haven't had a lot of humidity. Uh, I was in Orlando uh, at Disney over the weekend, and it was, uh, I think, like mid-90s during the day. And the, I think the heat index was 103 at some point on Monday, so it's pretty hot. Um, but I will say, uh, really quick before we get into this, my thoughts go out to all the folks here in the U.S. and the Midwest who are dealing with uh, a massive amount of tornadoes. We've had now, yeah. for a record, 12 consecutive days of at least eight tornadoes per day in the region. So uh, if, if you're listening to the show and you're from that area, um, our thoughts are with you. Hopefully everyone's safe and sound, that you're taking precautions. Uh, listen to your weather forecasters. Uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, pretty significant weather we're having here in the U.S. And the, I've seen the quite a bit of clips all over the place, you know, where people's, mm-hmm. I mean, the tornadoes, the hail. Yeah. You know, and they say climate change isn't, uh, isn't real. So I got news for you. <laughs> I beg to differ. Yeah. Well, having said that, we have some uh, Tesla news to talk about. So let's uh, dive in here. So uh, Elon has taken to Twitter, and he's saying that there are more games coming to the cars very soon. Uh, they are porting the uh, Unity engine and Unreal engine. So those of you who want some more fancier uh, video games, uh, they are coming relatively soon. He didn't give us any kind of timeline. Uh, the other thing to remember, though, too, is, and, and he didn't clarify it, <clears throat> 
what platforms is he bringing this to? I have a feeling, personally, just based on my experience with my particular car, because I have the older MCU, which is the old Tegra-based system, I don't think the Tegra system is going to be able to hang, handle this. So this is, I have a feeling, and I don't know this for sure, but I think this is more towards um, the cars that have the Intel CPU. So that includes, obviously, all the Model 3s and uh, all S's and X's produced as of May-ish of last year. So, um, yeah. Those of you looking for some more games, uh, that'd be cool. I still want Tempest. I still want Tempest. That's one of my favorites. I don't know why I keep saying that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, good memories of being a teenager in the early 80s and playing video games with my lunch money. (laughs) I I starved myself to play video games. We all did that. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I mean, if you had like $2, you could spend hours in an arcade just playing a quarter at a time. Well, I'll tell you, when I was uh, at that age, uh, my brother and I used to, we used to live across the street from high school. Of course, one of the kids, teenagers did back then. Of course, they would go into the bush across the street and they would drink. So my brother and I got this idea that we'd go across the street and we would pick up all the beer bottles and we would turn them for the deposit. And we turned that into arcade money. So that's where we spent our money. Cleaning up the environment and gaming. Major score. yeah, Yeah, exactly. So props to my brother for helping out on that one. That was pretty cool. All right. Uh, the next uh, bit of information, of course, it's been all over Twitter here for the last few days. Um, it was the discussion of Elon's compensation because uh, it was that Twitter account that said that Elon was getting, you know, paid crazy amounts of money. As it turns out, he's not. So, uh, what do you guys think about this? Well, there's. I mean, beyond that, there's the New York Times article that yep. uh, featured this, saying that you know he had the highest compensation package of any CEO. And that's okay. Yeah, if he gets to the final um, valuation of the company, he will Correct. be awarded what will be. But they, they, the entire article is positioned to make you believe that if this is an annual salary. He's exceeding everybody else. It's not the case. He's making minimum wage right now. And I think he just tweeted out today at the, at the end of it when he puts in his he, – he has to refund his expenses or whatever. He's, he's net negative income right now on Tesla. It actually costs some money to work there. So what a load of crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The so Business Insider sort of picked up on the story too that uh, according to a report on CEO compensation that was published by the, in 2018 specifically uh, for the New York Times, uh, they reported that CEO Elon Musk was paid nearly 2.3 billion with a B uh, last year, which is more than the next 65 highest paid CEOs combined. Now, on the heels of the story, somebody on Twitter said, you know, basically telling Andy Kearse, who wrote the story for um, uh, Business Insider, asking for an explanation, uh, claiming that Elon made $0 in 2018 unless the stock was $600 per share. He made the state-mandated minimum wage and then donated that, and he had zero performance compensation so he didn't really make anything in terms of that amount of income. So then Elon responded to this particular tweet uh, saying that he paid most of his Tesla-related expenses too. So Tesla last year was actually a net negative uh, compensation for him. So our friend Tesla Tunity, Michael, had yep. responded to Elon's tweet saying the misinformation people spread is out of control, to which Elon is now exploding uh, Michael's phone with <laughs> notifications by saying, yep. yeah, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt propaganda campaign being pushed by those betting against Tesla has reached new heights. So it's understandable that this is sort of a, uh, a media war uh, back and forth between misinformation and whatnot. But again, we're seeing misinformation in every aspect. This is not... 
exclusive to Elon and Tesla by any stretch, but it is at the point where any article that has that kind of a gotcha headline is going to spread very quickly, despite how much truth there is to it. Um, so I would say, take it with a grain of salt. He's telling you, listen, I'm, I've really lost money uh, in Tesla last year. Um, but again, anything that gets you clicks is uh, is, is worth, worth uh, beating everybody. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed a lot of it. There's a lot more noise lately. I mean, it comes as a, it comes and goes in waves, but lately it's just been like, really, like this again? I thought this was like gone. But uh, maybe with the Q2 numbers uh, coming in soon, because we're looking at some massive, massive deliveries. Of course, you know, there's been a couple of leaked emails that have been, go- that have been going around um, that they've been twisting the words, which is, you know, of course, that's what the, uh, that's what the, the trolls like to do, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully with the numbers, I mean, the thing is, is I, I think the, things would be tempered a lot better if they had record numbers of deliveries and, of course, some profits. So I think in Q2, we're going to get one of the two. Maybe later in the year, uh, maybe we'll get both. All right. Um, moving along here, the next uh, thing we want to talk about here is uh, the Consumer Reports um, article that came out talking about autopilot. Now, of course, this has been on the Internet quite a bit. This is courtesy of uh, on the um, uh, sorry, on the uh, Consumer Report site, basically mm-hmm. saying that Tesla's updated Navigator on autopilot requires significant driver intervention. But the 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 gist of the story was, I think there was a lot of misinterpretation on the internet about the headline and the actual content of the article. Mm-hmm. And of course, there was a lot of going uh, back and forth, of course, on on the internet, especially with our friend Earl and Jake, who is uh, one of the guys who works for uh, Consumer Reports. Um, that in the end, uh, they do like autopilot. It's just that. You know, people are some people are using it uh, incorrectly and stuff. But Ian, you had some good thoughts on this. Yeah, I I have a much better understanding of it now uh, than we. I was kind of swallowing the um, you know the sound bites on this hole when they were coming out until I finally got a hold of the article. I read it, and then not long after, um, Jake Fisher, who's our automotive editor, came out to clarify. Had the exchange with um, with Earl, which was very helpful. And yeah, I, sort of. Um, in a nutshell, the I think the headline was a little too clickbaity, and that's what started, you know, the the concept that they were really down on autopilot. But when you read in it, it was pretty well explained. They said, "Look, we love autopilot. We think it's the best system out there." But this latest edition in sixteen point two, where you can turn off all of the warnings to tell you that the car is going to change lanes on its own, is bad. And I got to be honest. I mean, you know, I've been using. Um, 16.2, well, a lot of us have been driving around now with autopilot, with uh, with Navigate on autopilot, where it doesn't require, well, you can set what you want. You can have the mm-hmm. chime, you can have the with chime and vibration, you can have just the vibration, or now you have the option of turning them all off. So the car, in and of its own, can change lanes. The only thing you're going to see is basically the warning on the screen and the, the uh, turn signal, which is going to come on. But for a lot of people, that's not really enough of a warning. I mean, if you're not staring or waiting for it, it I think it can catch you off guard. I haven't tried it personally, but that was their assessment of it. And I, I'd have to think that's fair. I don't know at this stage that you'd want that. I personally have mindset so that the wheel vibrates. Uh, and I, I have mindset to chime. Yeah, one or the other, as long as you know what the car's intent is so you can keep an eye on it and just double check what's going on. I, I think it's fine. So I, you know what? I got to be honest. I agree with their assessment at it. But of course, that's not how it gets repeated. It gets blown completely out of control. Oh, my God. They're slamming autopilot. It's the worst thing ever. And off and off and off it goes. So, no, but uh, kudos to Jake Fisher for coming out and explaining it and being, I think, um, very understanding and, uh, you know, having a really good 
you know, a debate about the whole thing online and clearing the matter up, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I think what's important about that exchange, specifically with Earl and Jake, is if you if you find that there is a story that you may not agree with, the fact that someone like Jake is upfront and approachable on social media, if you're engaging with him in a way where you're not accusatory, mm-hmm. you're uh, you're not slandering, you're just having an honest conversation, asking questions, getting explanations, then then you're more apt to get the information you're looking for and get some clarity even if at the end of it you don't agree on something and you know even the three of us sometimes have disagreements with our own topics on the show we're at least cordial and respectful so you you find that if you're if you're not one of the um the the kind of folks who are derogatory on social media if you really approach it with candor and honesty and kindness you're likely to get some information that's what happened here and after the um, you know other other outlets took the story and sort of made their own st- headlines from it, and that sort of exacerbated the problem very quickly. Um, which again, that's the internet for you. Uh, but it was good for Jake to clear the air a bit. Uh, I thought with Earl, and I think others picked up on that too, uh, which is helpful. So you're hearing it from the source directly, saying, "No, no, don't get me wrong. We understand that there are some misconceptions about what our intent was. Here's what we really meant to say," um, and that and I think that was really good. Yeah, I agree. Well, moving along, uh, just a public service announcement. In case some of you have missed it, Tesla has posted a do-it-yourself for the Model 3 on their support page. Uh, again, the links for all of the articles and everything we're talking about will be in the podcast description. So whether you're listening or watching, look for that. But it covers some basic things like how to retar- uh, restart the uh, touchscreen, pairing your Bluetooth phone, connecting to Wi-Fi, programming a home link, adding and removing keys, replacing the key fob battery, um, starting, uh, installing a phone charging cable, installing the front license plate bracket. I'm, I'm not going to read all of these things, but most of the basic information that a lot of you need. Uh, don't forget, I also have a series of uh, video tutorials. So for those of you who have ordered a car, have not taken delivery, maybe you're new, you haven't been drinking the Kool-Aid like we have for all these years, maybe you need uh, you know, something to entertain or learn or something like that, we have some very good um uh, YouTube uh, tutorials on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can go and check those out. But again, uh, these are these are things uh, are all covered in the manual. But most people forget that the manual actually exists in electronic form on the car, and uh, sometimes it's easy to miss. So, anyways, just a little PSA for those of you who don't know about that. Um, if you guys seen this, of course, uh, there's been a change to the Model S and the Model X pricing last week. Uh, Tesla reduced the prices of the cars. Uh, the Model S, for example, has dropped $3,000. It used to be $78,000 U.S. as a base cost. Then now the standard range is coming in at $75,000. Um, the Model X has also dropped down to $81,000 as a starting price. Um, the prices for all of the other options likely remained unchanged. So you're still talking uh, $2,000 for white or $1,500 for blue, $2,500 for red, blah, blah, blah. The other thing that's also changed is on the autopilot page, um, of course, autopilot, the basic autopilot is now included with all the cars, but uh, the part that you're actually paying for now is FSD, the full self-driving, which is supposedly still coming later this year. Um, the important part, though, too, is that it's a $6,000 flat fee from the U.S., in the U.S., in U.S. dollars, and they've eliminated on this page, at least for now, um, the used to have the penalty, right? So if it was $6,000 uh, if you bought it now, maybe uh, $7,500 if you bought it after the fact. So this penalty now has disappeared off the page. It doesn't mean that Tesla 
won't change the price again and you know it <laughs> bottoms... will most certainly change again at some point yes Soon. exactly so just wanted to let everybody know that right now this this penalty that used to exist now has gone but i think it's a precursor to them perhaps increasing the price and you know we've said it many times before what tesla giveth tesla can taketh so if you see something uh buy it because it may not be here next week um speaking of which some other interesting stuff has just popped up um in the last day or so um, there is a surprise announcement coming to Tesla from Tesla on the 31st uh, for China. And uh, so Tesla's going to be showing something, and it looks like the, the picture that went out, and this was exclusively distributed, I think it was on the Weibo network, which is the social sh media sharing thing that's going on in China, and it was specifically only for China, uh, showing what looks like, uh, you know, the back end of a car or something. Um, I hopped on Twitter, and I think personally... Um, it's a Chinese-specific Model 3, lower cost, and uh, the consensus seems to be, um, since then, because there was some other stuff that, that popped up and through some translations, that they have a guessing game um, in China as to what the, uh, and, and this is Tesla sanctioned, by the way, um, trying to guess what the price of the Model 3 is going to be in China. Of course, there's been a lot of numbers throwing around. So I think that's what's going on. They're going to introduce the China-specific Model 3 that's going to be built in the Gigafactory 3, and they will be announcing pricing. So look for that in a couple of days. So for those of you looking China, uh, for a perhaps a China uh, the cheaper Model Three, um, most likely this will be the standard range because uh, Elon did say that the higher end spec cars would still be made in North America and shipped over to China. Trev, I, I actually have the inside scoop on this. Oh yeah, you do. I'm gonna let maybe I missed it. In on this, it's a long wheelbase three. It's a Model Three L. Really? No. I'm, I'm, I'm yanking you. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because if you ever go over there, they have an obsession with the long versions. Like, you know, in the Europeans yeah, are fond yeah. of this, right? You know, you have the Audi A8L. There's the, and the executive seating. The series right? like L. Yeah, exactly. So the L is the long wheelbase. They stretch the rear door to make it like almost as long as a, the front door in a coupe. So, you know, they stretch the, the wheelbases 8, 10 inches. So you have these giant Barco lounger rear seats with bars mm -hmm. and everything. Them. The Chinese are fanatical about this. They have versions, long wheelbase versions of cars that exist nowhere else in the world. They're only for the Chinese market. So I just, I thought as a laugh, wouldn't it be funny if somebody photoshopped one? Because that would be exactly the sort of thing they'd go gaga over. <laughs> Gave me an idea for tomorrow, maybe to troll everybody. <laughs> you should. You totally should. Because, yeah. It, it, one day to go. Here's oh, yeah. the scoop. There you go. Do that it. would be total right. Earl move, though, right? It would. <laughs> maybe you should. Let him have it. It would be so up his alley. Okay, well, I'll, I'll do that, and I'll, I'll, I'll usurp him. I'll, uh, I'll beat him to the punch then, okay? Uh, moving right. along. <laughs> and uh, moving along, the next uh, uh, article that we have for you. Um, for those who don't know, there's been some history with Tesla and uh, the Top Gear guys, um, the show in, in England. What? You don't say. Yes, yes. There's been kind of a, uh, yeah, there's a lot of history there. Anyway, so recently they uh, they did a whole video shoot and an article about the uh, Model 3, and they put it up against them. Which uh, which BMW was it, uh, Ian? The M3. Okay. Um, they had a lot of fun. They, um, they had, you know, various different things they were testing and stuff. But one little bit of information showed up, and I'm going to bring up the slide here so everybody can see this, and hopefully I can scroll up here. You can see here. On slide number 10, again, links will be in the uh, podcast description. 
Uh, he says you might have to give sensors exactly what they want to instigate the fun. Uh, sensors exactly what they want to instigate the fun, rather than letting them hoon whoever you like. Tesla knows this and is working on something it calls sliders, a software update that will let you choose the proportion of torque sent to the rear axle. Oh, this will make Ian very, very happy oh, because yeah, he's Mr. <laughs> Mr. Track Mode himself, right? I cannot wait for this. This is going to be so awesome. Well, this kind of harks back to, I think we first heard about it in the Marcus um, Brownlee interview with Elon, where he talked about, you know, some of the, the up, upcoming things with the car. And in the performance mode, he he described it as, you know, kind of like being able to overclock your computer and you're going to have all these user things where you can, you know, exceed the thermal limits. And of course, there'll be, a, you know, yeah, do you want your mommy and all the other precautionary mm -hmm. things that you'll have to agree to. And we haven't seen any of them. Um, but this falls right in line with what I sort of expected they would allow us to do. And there's a potential to do a lot more, um, you know, change the regen and do all sorts of other stuff. But the torque split to me would be a, a good starting point initially and be fun if they could save user modes. Like it'd be, ha it'd be fun to have one, you know, for track, for street, uh, for snow, whatever. Um, there's, there's a lot of potential for this. So not, not a huge surprise, but really fun to see that it's confirmed. Um, and shout out to uh, to Jay Pace for bringing that uh, to our attention on Twitter today. That's the first yes. I saw of it because I'd seen the video. I recommend everybody watch the Top Gear video on this, the Comparo. It's very well done. And this is the companion text piece that goes with it, which was well written. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I love the premise of it. It was like, okay, so, you know, a little over a year ago, Elon tweets out, yeah, you know, we're we're faster than the M3, you know, which is in, in, in gearhead or petrolhead, as the, the Brits would say. That's that's sacrilegious. Like you cannot say, you know, you're going to have this electric car that's going to beat the M3 on the track, you know, and they actually went out to prove it. And well, I'll, for all of you who haven't seen it, I'm not going to ruin, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to do a spoiler, but uh, yeah, watch it. It's pretty impressive. I thought it was a very, very fair assessment. Um, they didn't just hand it to anyone on any particular thing. I think it was really, really well done. But yeah, the slider thing is very cool. Can't wait to see that. But as I exchanged with Jay today, um, I'm not feeling super optimistic that we're going to see it anytime soon. We know that, you know, they still have a huge amount of work to do. They're still slammed. There's tons of demand on the, on the SR plus, um, you know, they got a lot of projects underway. I don't know if they're going to be budgeting a huge amount of R and D right now to develop this little obscure feature in, uh, track mode. I personally hope they do, but, uh, I'm perfectly understanding if it's not on the priority list. I'm going to give everyone one more shout out to, uh, there's a YouTube channel called Throttle House. If you haven't seen it, uh, a couple of local fellows here to me, and they do all kinds of really great uh, car reviews. And uh, they just published one here, a drag race between a Tesla Model 3, and it's an all-wheel drive, it's not a performance car, a uh, Tesla Model 3 and a BMW M2. Uh, they take it to uh, what looks like to be an airstrip or something like that. Fun video. It's not very long. It's only about four minutes long. Watch it. It's really cool. I'll put a link down in the video description. You guys can check it out. Um, they also tell me that they're going to do something with a performance Model 3. So that should be fun <laughs> to see what they, uh, what they do fairly soon. So anyways, just shout out to those guys for, for doing that. Uh, let's see here. Next uh, bit of information, of course, and I think most people probably seen it, that uh, 2019 16.2 has been rolling out to the fleet over the last week or so. I have it on my X. Uh, you guys certainly have it on your three. Uh, one of the things that they finally added to that uh, was the long-awaited uh, uh, features for Sentry Mode, which allows you to 
have sentry mode turned on all the time and then you have three buttons which uh, allow you to do exclusions so the exclusions are exclude home exclude work and exclude favorites this is a prerequisite that you have addresses entered in both of those places uh, in your navigation tab as well as have at least some of them favorited if you don't know what the favorites are if you've entered any kind of address in the past uh, just click the little heart icon and I will add it to your hearts list or to your favorites list. So that's what that is. Um, I find myself using sentry mode now all the time. Uh, thank goodness for this because um, using it, I found, was a bit of a pain in the butt before. Oh, the other thing too is that you get an icon in your toolbar right beside the little dash cam icon. It looks like the little HAL symbol. So if you tap that, um, you can turn it off. But now if you slide it on, it's on all the time. So as soon as you put the car into park, unless you have one of the exclusions, it's always on. I do believe you also have to have the dash cam recording as well. So you'll have sentry mode alerts, uh, but if you want it to record, I do believe you have to have the dash cam turned on as well. So, Ian, did you get around to putting a USB key in your car yet? What? Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no. Well, the USB key is there. It's just got all my music on it. I know. It, my car leads a fairly sheltered life. What can I tell you? It's, it doesn't get out to the, uh, it doesn't get out to the shady spots too often. So, but yes, no, I, I want to configure it because, uh, sooner or later I'm going to wish I had, and I want to play with it, honestly, you know, it, it's, it's kind of cool. Um, it'd be, uh, yes, for the purposes of research and development and the edification of our listeners and viewers, I will do so. Okay. Okay. So good. you can, you can see what the, um, what the caveman take is on it. <laughs> one more yeah, one more thing in this new software update. There is also a hidden Easter egg. It's not anywhere else. It's a reference to the Rick and Morty show. Uh, they call oh, yeah. it uh, Keep Summer Safe. That's the one episode. So if you if you press the voice control and you say Keep Summer Safe, it turns on sentry mode. So little hidden Easter egg. It's not very useful uh, because you can tap the icon. But if you want to have a little fun, you like that show, which is hilarious, by the way. Very, very not for kids. Okay, don't let mm -hmm. them watch the show. <laughs> but uh, lots of fun anyways. Um, let's get in here. Uh, some more stuff. The article from CNBC that's making the rounds here is that Tesla... Apparently, through um, they were able to find out through some sources that Tesla is currently um, fitting out the factory to get ready to build the Model Y SUV and what they're calling a full refresh of the Model S. I don't know how much of a refresh it's going to be. We know that the Model S interior has been rumored to be uh, been worked on for quite a while. Um, Elon has certainly said that uh, the default plan was to build Model Y at the Gigafactory, but since then they've said that it uh, looks like they're going to expand the Fremont factory, build some more tents. Um, the other thing, too, is that uh, there have been people that have been reporting on the Internet that their t factory tours have been canceled for... Um, uh, June 5th, um, Elon did say that part of the factory is being upgraded, but tours will continue around the parts that aren't. So there's definitely some confirmation that there's something going on at the factory for sure. Um, it remains to be seen how much of a of an actual update they do to the Model S. I was told some time ago that not only was the interior going to be updated, but something about the taillights. And I think we've talked about this on the show before. Um, the taillight thing would dovetail in very easily with them doing some kind of refresh to add the CCS port. Yep. Or true, move to the store, or, you know, along those lines. Uh, we know that the adapter is certainly coming, of course, from the European market. So it would not surprise me that Tesla would slowly start moving the S and the X over to a CCS port on there. And, of course, we'd do what they would what they did in Europe and start retrofitting the superchargers with an extra cable. What about well, a battery pack? 
Well, yeah, that's the other thing they're talking about in here is the possibility of a 400-mile uh, battery pack. Uh, so at 400 miles, um, I mean, what's the what's the 370 now? Not the 100-kilowatt-hour battery yeah. pack on the Model S. Exactly. So another 30 miles. Do we know that – are they able to squeak just a little bit more out of this, or are we talking about a completely new battery pack with 2170s? Mm -hmm. Don't know. We don't have any inf inside information, but if it does happen, um, that will certainly drive sales. Uh, hopefully, if they can get this uh, car built and stuff sometime in the third quarter, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of people um, upgrade. People that wanted, you know, maybe a newer Model S. I know I have several friends that have, they're at their leases, uh, lease ends of their Model th uh, Model S's, and now they're like, do I get another Model S? Do I get a Model 3 now? Um, you know, a lot of people are saying the Model, th uh, the Model S certainly needs a refresh. I think the Model S exterior is aging quite well it still looks great um yeah. the interior i mean all things said we've we've talked about this so many times uh the model you don't need to be a rocket scientist to see where tesla's going with the interior on these cars i mean the model three we saw the semi truck uh, you know the horizontal screen thing uh, that's what's that's where things are going that the new hvac system and, and stuff so that's I mean, that's a given. Um, it's just the quality of the materials, the fit and finish. I mean, they did say that they hired that guy a few years ago from Volvo to help them with the engineering. I, I don't know if that's seat design specific or he was there to actually help out with their seat factory, which is, you know, just down the road there from Fremont. So we'll keep an eye on this. As soon as we know more, uh, we'll certainly report on it. But uh, it bodes well. I think they have, I mean, the thing with Tesla is that it, it, it always looks like they're operating by the seat of their pants, but it but when they actually bring out the actual product, you go, oh, they did have a plan after all. <laughs> yeah. Imagine. <laughs> Imagine that, right? Um, anything else you guys want to add to this before we move on to uh, just one more PSA before we get into the video? No, questions? you're doing great. We're just, we're just here enjoying the show. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, one more thing I just want to put out. Um, for those of you who may be looking at an S or an X, if you're looking at inventory cars, we're not talking about the latest refresh, but if you're looking at a car that has some inventory, um, you will get free supercharging um, added to those cars. Now, it's only uh, for the duration of the ownership of the car. It's not transferable, so it's just like the current program. But they're adding free unlimited supercharging to those inventory cars. So that's a pretty good incentive for some people to be able to pick up one of these cars um, in addition to perhaps any discounts you may or may not get on those cars. Um, so just wanted to let everybody know that that is still there. By the way, today is May 29th and who knows, by the time maybe you still listen to this podcast, uh, uh, the 5,000 miles slash 7,500 kilometer free supercharging bonus that they gave us until the end of the 28th has been carried over one extra day. I think Elon said on Twitter that they had some problems, I guess, with time time zone problems or whatever on the website. So they've carried it over until the end of today. So you still have a little bit of reprieve if you want to get it on that. Use somebody's code. Doesn't matter who's. Just, just use one. Get yourself that extra bonus. Mine? Um, oh, how kind of you. That's very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um Next week, we'll see what happens to the supercharging. Likely, it'll probably drop down to, uh, what is it? Was it 1,500 miles or 1,000 miles? No, uh, yeah, 1,000 miles or 1,500 kilometers. 1,500 kilometers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, that covers most of that stuff. Um, the, the next one we really want to talk about before we uh, get on to viewer questions here was this um, this. This news article that came out that um, that te that apparently Apple had tried to make a bid for Tesla in 2013 at about $240 a share. Um, around the same time, this is when Tesla was still they were still hurting. Um, Elon, if you left, if you've actually read the um, 
uh, the Ashley Vance uh, biography on on Elon, he had said that at uh, one time um, during the early part of, uh, I think it was around March of 2013, Elon had reached out to uh, to Larry Page at Google and said, uh, you know, would you be interested in buying uh, Tesla? Uh, the talks never really went anywhere. Of course, there was a lot of rumors swirling around at the time that not only uh, Apple was talking to uh, Tesla, but also BMW. Um, I want to talk about the possible, what the ramifications, let's say, let's say Tesla, let's just spitball a little bit here. Let's just say that, let's say Tesla got into some financial trouble and they decided to sell. Um, and let's say Apple was to scoop them up. Um, if, we, if you look at the both companies, there's a lot of synergies, I think, between the two companies. Uh, if you look at the way Tesla does things, a lot of it's straight out of the Apple playbook. Um, you know, it's very customer-focused products. It's not like, let's make a product just for, you know, for our entertainment. They really focus on, you know, what will please the customer. Now, I know a lot of people out there are going to, you know, take us to task for saying all kinds of stuff about Apple. I mean, that's not the point here. I'm just looking at it from what could Apple bring to the table. And I was thinking about this, and there are a few things that I think that would, that would actually be beneficial for Tesla should Apple actually buy the company. Um, let's. Uh, the other thing, too, uh, before I say this is um, there are some people out there that will say, you know, if Tesla was to go out of business, all of their products would just go poof. It would just disappear. And that's not what would happen. There's a lot of valuable intellectual property in there. They have a lot of real estate, factories, um, a lot of tech, uh, relationships, products. Uh, that stuff is going. Uh, that stuff is valuable. Somebody's going to come in there and stop at that. It doesn't matter if it's Apple or Google or whatever. Um, but in this case, they're not going anywhere. So even if they were to go under whatever the case may be, let's say Apple comes in, buys them, they bring in a few things, and I'll talk about this here in a second. Um, but they're able to be operated as a wholly owned subsidiary, you know, kind of like uh, Haddon Did Industries. Again? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Haddon Industries, if you remember that movie Contact. Anyways, um, here's a few things I think that would be beneficial for Tesla. I tried, um, just, just before you go on, and uh, did you not, when we originally discussed uh, the, the thought experiment on this, didn't you say, and I think this was key to to how we interpret it or, or to think about it, wasn't one of the key things that they didn't want Elon running it if they were going to consider buying it? Was, yeah, well, that was apparently that was the reason, according to these sources, mm -hmm. and they, they claim that they have multiple sources on this. They can't prove it, but they have multiple sources, that one of the stipulations from Apple buying the company, they wanted Elon to step down. Now, um, so my question is, do we want to run this exercise with or without him in the picture? Well, I think it's it's valuable in, in the discussion to look at it from the early days of Apple in the sense that when Steve Jobs came back, he was a lightning rod for getting the company back on its feet. There's also been another clip that's been circulating a lot of, uh, over the last few days about uh, when Steve Jobs first came back to Apple and they had a developer conference and they got up and they, they were taking questions. I remember this watching this one back in the day. You know, Elon brought, or Elon, uh, Steve Jobs brought a lot of things to the table in the sense that, you know, back in, back in those days, we're talking, you know, 95, 96, 97, the media was all over Apple in the sense they're going out of business, they're going to be bankrupt any, any second, and they could not write an article about Apple without putting the word beleaguered in there. It's almost like it was the 90s, like today's Twitter 
crap that's going on with the shorts and all the FUD that's going on around Tesla is like the 90s version of what happened at Apple. And of course, look at the company today. In that sense, what they needed to do was the refocus on their products. They had too much. They were spreading themselves too thin. And they had uh, the visionary of the company come back uh, who really helped them refocused. And Right now, Tesla is one of those companies that, that really needs Elon to get them past that. They're not out of the woods yet, right? They still have a lot of products coming down the pipe. They still need Elon, I personally think, my personal opinion here, they still need a lightning rod. They need this person who's the visionary to keep running the company. Now, if you take Elon out of the equation and you put a Tim Cook in there, I don't think it would work. Um, the Apple of today is not the same as when Steve Jobs is there. It's become, I mean, they're hugely profitable, but... There's a lot of people that look at the company and go, what have they done lately? You know, that, there's not a lot of innovation going on. Yeah, I mean, there's very iterative and stuff. Um, to wit, I also have to say, too, that if you look at the products, I mean, Apple was incredibly lucky, <clears throat> excuse me, incredibly lucky to not only spearhead the, the, the restart of the company with the iPod, which then became the iPhone. I mean, that's a one-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I mean, Apple was very, very fortunate to have three products, the Mac, the iPod, and the iPhone, to really um, cement themselves as a computer company. And in, uh, in Tesla's case, uh, I mean, we're onto the Model 3 right now, and, th and that's really the product that's really taken them to the next level, of course. Um, so, like I said, there's a lot of parallels there, but if you take Elon out of the equation too soon, then it's just not going to be the same company. I think in a lot of ways. But I will say this, just going back to what I was going to say earlier, and I apologize for getting on this tangent a little bit, but I want to talk about the things I think that would be beneficial to Tesla should Apple actually buy the company. Now, we're talking about the modern Apple here. So I think the, some of the things that we bring to the table here is discipline and resources to management, because some of that, if you look at Tesla, they're, they're lacking in the management department. I mean, everything flows down from Elon. I mean, you know... This latest thing about the CFO and Elon not signing off on any expenditures is, is a bit radical. That's a bit much. Um, having said that, there's also uh, they would also bring some extremely tight financial control over the company. Uh, Apple has costs down. I mean, they're very very disciplined in that uh, in that uh, in that area. I think the other thing that Apple would bring to the table for Tesla is to keep to their timelines. Apple has very, very strict timelines in terms of how they do things. Um, they're, they're very good. Now, they're not perfect. I'm not saying they're perfect. There have been slips before. Uh, you know, the power pad was the latest thing that slipped. Um, you know, there's been other products that have been delayed and stuff, uh, Mac Pros and all this other stuff. But uh, by and large, with their software release, they're, they're very much on time with that. Um, also, of course, uh, best-in-class presentations. I mean, anybody knows watching a Steve Jobs presentation is, um, I mean, Apple's stagecraft is second to none. I think a lot of ways Tesla really could benefit from some really good first-class, um, you know, stagecraft in that. And um, the last one I'm going to add, and I'm sure you guys can chime in here because I'm done talking about this, <laughs> um, is some... Um, over-deliver on the guidance thing. Um, right now, they seem to promise a lot, but they tend to under-deliver. And Apple, if you look at the way they operate, their guidance in, in terms of financials and stuff tends to be understated. Now, I don't know if that's deliberate, um, but it seems to be fairly consistent. You know, not... Uh, 
you know the whole the the China situation, not notwithstanding from the last quarter that they had some trouble. The whole market's in, in topsy turvy right now about the Chinese market. But by and large, I think those are the main things that I think that would bring um, uh, to the to the table if if they were to purchase Tesla or take some kind of controlling action as far as that's concerned. I think some of this stuff might be possible while still leaving Elon in charge of, of R&D. Uh, and we've said this many, many times before, Tesla could really benefit from some of the organization that they have at SpaceX. Like you have a Gwyn Shotwell who really runs things. Elon is the guy running the engineering and, and problem solving in the back. And I think that's what he really enjoys the most. And I think Tesla would really benefit from having some kind of person like that at the front of the company and let Elon be the guy in the back. All right, I'm done talking. You guys take over. What do you think? I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. So so I am someone who uh, has seen the, the evolution of the tech industry and these behemoths at Amazon and Microsoft, and Facebook, and Google, and everything else. And Apple's part of that. And I'm someone who, and this this might skew political, and I do apologize, but I'm someone who believes that there is already way, way, way too much ownership and power at the top of these companies. So the idea of Apple, um, while it has the cash to do this, uh, for it to buy Tesla, to me, is just, you're, it's again, it's just it's just taking the remnants of different companies and you're, you're just buying it. You're buying it so that no one else can get their hands on it. You're not, maybe you're buying it for the tech, maybe you're buying it for their products, who knows? I don't like the idea of more of the very, very minute number of companies at the top because they have the cash capital, just keep sucking in and buying out all the companies that are, you know, whether they're deemed competition or otherwise. I would rather see Tesla on its own survive. Um, so you mentioned the history of Apple with Steve. So when Steve was essentially fired from Apple, he was able to then found Next. And Next Computers was bought by Apple later because Apple sought the text that Next was creating. And as a result, Steve was able to work his way back up to the top of Apple's food chain. And we then later saw the vitality and growth of Apple that has basically been unimpeded since. You alluded to this, and it's actually very true, which is Apple has yet to innovate anything so pervasive in the industry since the iPhone. Like the iPad as a tablet is innovative and it's unique, but tablets were a thing that were sort of the next step after touchscreen devices like the iPod Touch and the iPhone. You have one in your car now, as everybody know, right? likes to remind us. <laughs> right. So, so, so there are certainly questions. We've seen the retail side of Apple have its own struggles. Uh, we know today at Apple has been a success, but there's certainly some other questions about um, the way they're spending their stores. Because um, the stores now are more about resources than it is selling services. Uh, they're selling solutions in, in a way. Um, but anyway, the larger the larger point to make here is that, and again, it's a thought experiment, but the conversation just it rubs me the wrong way, um, because I'm I'm tired of these large companies, like Amazon and Apple and others, just keep buying out the smaller companies because they can, and there's been a lot of conversation in the news media and elsewhere 
of how much money Apple really has because they could be stashing billions of dollars of it in Ireland and in other markets where the tax can be sort of tucked away. It's, it's the money under the mattress principle. Um, so I'd rather not see this. I understand a lot of the points you brought up with resource management, uh, timelines, presentations, financial control, and all the like. There's no reason Tesla can't grow into that and learn that at some point. I just don't think it requires Apple buying them to get to that point, whether Elon's obviously still involved or not, because I, as a consumer, have lost some faith in Apple's ability to regenerate new products. They keep taking what they have and refining it. Oh, we got this. Like, they're, Apple's great now at processors. They're great, they're great at firmware. They're not great at producing new products. So I'll, I'll leave it at that for now and let Ian uh, have his share here. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you on all of that. I sort of share the same fear in that we're you know the the era of these mega companies now that are you know taking over the world. <laughs> There's a lot of risks with that. You know, Facebook is one of the ones that I personally have the most fear of. Uh, yeah, I mean we won't even go there. We don't have time. But uh, but yeah, to to your point, Eric, I, I share a lot of those those very same concerns. Now, in terms of the mechanics of it, how would it work? How would it affect the company? Um, I definitely see a big, big difference um, whether you have an Elon in or an Elon out situation. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a hybrid where he's not out, but he does kind of wander off to the back of the shop and work on the engineering more directly. Uh, Alice SpaceX, which is a third yeah. possibility I hadn't really considered. It's interesting we brought that up. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping none of the above happens. Um, I'm starting to feel very optimistic that there's there's really no reason for this uh i gotta say i was a little bit nervous the last few months watching you know like to see how things are going to unroll i mean we all all of us who have money in the stock are all kind of like well you know when's this ride going to stop but the more you realize you a lot of this is really just you know the fudsters going around again oh yeah uh when we'll see at the next uh at the next financial call really what the what the drill is but i think things are going to be back up and looking pretty positive again i'm i'm not I'm not as nervous as I was even just a few weeks ago. So I'm not really thinking this is going to be hyper necessary, but that doesn't matter. This is a thought exercise, right? So mm-hmm. um, Apple buying them, Elon fully at the helm still might actually be to some degree positive. I mean, not thinking about, okay, you know, this global massive entity now, but yeah, just from a management perspective, I think that could do some good things for the company. Uh, which both you guys have, have talked about. I mean, the fact that their financial control will be better, they'd probably be sharper on their costing, all, all of that administrative stuff, um, which they're okay at, but they've never excelled at, uh, I, I think would be a huge plus. And if they sort of understood that you can't mess with the Tesla secret sauce, um, that would be great. I don't think that would would change anything. Even if they did, if they if they came in cold turkey and you know relegated Elon to the background or or took him out completely, I don't think you'd see a dramatic change in the company in the next few years, because the product architecture has been pretty well laid out. I mean, the S, the X, the three are all going strong. We know that uh, the semi is coming on, uh, the Roadster, uh, at some point a pickup. So and Model Y, of course, uh, which is a huge one. All of that stuff is either running strong or in the pipe to get launched in the next couple of years. So, you know, the trajectory is already set. I don't think they would mess with any of that. What would come beyond that, though? That that could be very interesting to see. 
Um, so I would have two fears is would they start to sort of try and normalize the company uh, and make it less innovative and, or, or more conservative in, in the hopes that they could make it more mainstream, you know, more appealing, like bring out more of a compact car or something that would have a wider range of appeal in, in broader markets. Um, but that would be years away. In the short term, my biggest fear would be the company would lose its personality. And that yeah. Would, tragic to me it's the number one thing other than the car itself that i love about the company is it's got this weird quirky for better or for worse there's things about the fact it's quirky that are not good let's be honest you know <laughs> and like, we're seeing and we're seeing that now play out with its social media presence on twitter yeah, yeah. Uh, where they have a new social media head and that sort of that attitude's matriculated into their accounts yeah, yeah. Oh no, no. Exactly. I thought that that was a bonus. You know, they're kind of playing off what I think the the strengths are in terms of the the, the fun and the quirkiness of it. But that whole sense of community that you know that you either get Tesla or you don't. I think is is a tremendous plus. As an owner, I, I not something that I really thought about on, until I got involved in the scene. But I absolutely love it. I think it's crazy that this day and age, it's so hard to be in the car business and they can still have a sense of humor about it. Like that, you know, just all the goofy Easter eggs, all of that stuff. You know, it, um, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but <clears throat> um, the whole Easter egg thing was largely started at Apple in the in in the mid '80s, and it certainly continued through in the '90s. Um, Tesla, or, <laughs> Tesla, Apple engineers were very famous to put all kinds of hidden little Easter eggs in the about box and so on and so forth, and you can't find that anymore in any of the Apple products. All that software now has all been stripped out of all that stuff. So the, the playfulness is absolutely something that we certainly cherish with the Tesla, and that we feel that that may go away however there is some precedence of apple buying generally when apple buys companies and up until recently um, um they would generally buy smaller companies and stuff and you would never hear from them again they would just absorb into this large super mega corpse by and large type of thing that's happening over at apple except for beats beats was the one that they bought a few years ago it still remains uh you know an entity into itself um uh, they also bought the other company there. What was it called? PA uh, was it PA Semi? Um, they're the they're the guys, of course, with uh, Jim Keller and stuff that uh, that came over from from Apple over to Tesla. They were responsible for for designing all of Apple's um, uh, A series chips internally, and that's where their biggest strength really lies now with Apple is is this custom silicon that they're doing. So a lot of that, some of that mentality is also coming over to uh, to Tesla for the, of course, the new hardware three uh, computer system that they're putting in the cars. So yeah, there's something to be said about that. Um, that losing that that sense of, of humor and stuff. The only time you really see a sense of humor with Apple now is during presentations. Other than that, you you never really see it anymore. So I kind of miss those old days, but a lot of that stuff kind of died with the Steve days. Well, that's precisely the point. So to me, Elon is one of the drivers behind that. I mean, you know, you know he's got the wacky, nerdy sense of humor, and then 90% of that stuff comes from his mind. And if it isn't from his mind, it's because he's inspiring other people in the company to think that way and, and, and let loose, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a good thought discussion, guys. Um, thanks for helping out on that. And uh, we'll certainly have more in the future as we go. Let's take a little break here. We'll hear from our sponsors and we'll come back and we'll uh, answer some viewer and listener questions. Fine Lab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us 
for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla. We were meant for each other. All right, we're back. This is the time where we like to answer the viewer and listener questions. By the way, uh, when we answer these questions, they usually come, well, they always come from our Twitter account. So always look for the day of the podcast, if not the day before, where we will put out a Google form where you can submit your questions so that we can answer them online. All right, let's jump in here. The first one comes from Anthony. He says, do you see focusing on the extreme goals like FSD and robo-taxis counterproductive to general EV adoption? If so, how do we move people away from the anti-autonomy ledge and back into a comfy and necessary position behind the wheel of an EV? Oh, wow, that's quite the question. What mm-hmm. do you guys think about that? Ian? Ah, um, <laughs> I think it's just different issues. Nothing but put on the spot. Yeah, no, but no, I, I was kind of processing it because we we did have the question last week and I hadn't come back to think about it. But I don't know why they're, they have to be counterproductive um, or, or, or sort of, you know, one doesn't necessarily preclude the other being successful. I don't, I see them as two separate things. I think you're sort of, the premise of the question is if, if, EV companies like Tesla, who are at the forefront of the technology, if they're so involved in automated driving, is that a negative? Is that turning off some of the potential consumers? Is, I mean, do you guys agree? Is that the premise here? Or is that what we're trying I, to say? I tend, I tend to think it is. I mean, if whether Anthony wants the focus to be on producing more vehicles and more cost-affordable vehicles uh, to get them to the mass market, they've done that with the Model 3. I mean, I don't know. I, to me... The, the next step in the evolution of electric vehicles is to put the product on the road, but now take the product and through software, make it better. You don't buy your mobile device, walk out the store that day and go, okay, well, this is my phone forever. The company that produces your phone, whether it's an Android or an Apple phone or what have you, is going to provide you updates to make the phone better. You're not changing your device every week, but you are gonna get a, a newer, newer features and whatnot. Why not do the same thing with the car? I don't understand. If you if you have essentially a computer processor in both these devices, why not then improve the solution? Furthermore, I look at this in the more global landscape, which is it's about safety. Because yes, absolutely. If, if, if the computers are designed to make driving a seamless adventure where you're not, you don't have to think about it. If you're tired, the car can do it. Like it's just, you get in, the door locks, you put on your seatbelt, the car goes and it does its thing. It's all about making cars safer and having less fatalities and less accidents. So ideally, I think it's a good thing for them to focus on because right now they're proving it to do it better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if I go back and I reread the question and I, I think the basic idea is uh, that you have to somehow link the two things and that the fact that Tesla is pro-autonomy is, is going to turn some people off. It, I don't know. I, I don't think that's such... I don't see it. I don't personally see it. I mean, Anthony, it'd be interesting to hear a little bit more from you in the comments as to if you've experienced this in real life when you have discussions with people and they talk about, oh, yeah, those Teslas are going to take away my drivers. You know, like, I'm one of them. I, I mean, I'm one of those people mm-hmm. like, you know, pry the steering wheel out of my cold, dead hands. How many times have I said right. that? On, you know, and yet I, I paid for FSD because <laughs> on those rare occasions I want to have an app and travel at night through the, the Canadian wilderness. I'd like the car mm-hmm. to be able to that so you know I, I don't think the two things are mutually exclusive i personally had a lot of fears at it that we've gone back and forth we've talked about it on the show but you know on the last on autonomy day it was addressed again and i think in the lex friedman interview um 
uh, Elon has said his personal view is that uh, he's in no way wanting to take away anyone's ability to drive the car. He's just thinking that regulatory agencies at some point will do that. I think that's the bigger fear is if a Tesla or somebody else really perfects, uh, perfects autonomous driving, that at some point the insurance companies, the regulators are going, wow, this is so much better than humans. Okay, that's it, re-yanking the steering wheels. That's possible, but that's I think still a long way. Out. Oh, that's a I mean, long way. Away. I, I would think that's also probably still would never happen because you're going to have car. I mean, unless you pass laws that say you know a, a, a petrol car, gas car, or what have you, can't be on the roads after say 2050. Yeah. You know, it's one thing. Now, I would I would certainly make that a stipulation. If it is a climate change conversation, mm-hmm. get them off the damn roads. <laughs> I'm all for that. If, if it's if it's about climate change and you're trying to meet certain emission standards, by all means, if you want to get a, a an emission vehicle off the car off the road, by all means, go ahead and do that. But I also think the uh, and the imperative point to make here is that you could still have the option of driving the car if you wanted to. I mean, if if it gets to the point where you have the FSD, you can obviously make it a you know a toggle option. I mean, I remember when Trevor did his video on. Uh, version nine of the software after he got the update he drove around in canada and go i'm going to do the update and then see how it handles after that and autopilot had improvements back then hell the nitsa website talks about vehicle autonomy from levels zero through five so if you have all these agencies sort of alluding to and supporting the advancement of the technology to get to full autonomy it's going to happen eventually um, but if Apple wants to buy Tesla, going back to that conversation, it could be about having self-driving hardware. It could be, um, you know, General Motors is trying to do something. We're going to look at Volkswagen. I mean, all these companies now are talking about now getting into the game, whether it's producing electric vehicles or if it's about producing the software to make the vehicles autonomous. It's going to happen. Waymo is now trying to uh, do self-driving uh, rigs, basically uh, large wheel trucks. So. It's going to happen. I understand the focus is for Tesla specifically for this context of the question. But I think overall, what better way to adopt electric vehicles if you're showing people you can drive it, you could not drive it. Either way, you're going to be in the safest car on the road. It's going to be better for the environment. It's going to be more energy efficient. Uh, and they're going to be absolutely fun to be in. So I, I don't I don't see the problem there. Well, which dovetails into our second question. It comes from Mitchell. He says, uh, do we know who these mythical regulators, in quotes, uh, that will approve Tesla's autonomous driving? How will they come to that position and what parameters they use to approve autonomous cars? Um, Well, obviously, it goes without saying NHTSA would be one of the regulatory uh, Mm -hmm. people involved with that. Obviously, there's going to be lawyers. Um, Mm -hmm. We do know that... Uh, at least initially, it may not be done at the, well, it could be done partially at the federal level, but I think uh, it's going to be at the state level and provincial level. Um, I know here in Ontario, um, there have been a couple of companies that have been, proved to, uh, have been approved to do their testing on the road. Same thing in California and Nevada. So there, it's going to be done by jurisdictions unless the feds come in and say, yeah, blanket, um, you know, approved. But I don't think that's really going to happen. I think even Tesla for this matter, I mean, you think in a free and open society that Tesla would be able to sell their cars without kind of impedance uh, in whatever state they want. But unfortunately, in the U.S., uh, united doesn't mean anything. All the states seem to have their own rules as to what Tesla can and cannot do. So, again, going back to that, I don't think it's going to be at the federal level. It's it's really going to be a jurisdiction. Even Elon has said it many times before. It's going to be jurisdictions as they allow it and stuff. So, 
Um, it's yeah. Good. A little bit of both, just because I have to do regulatory work with, with well, yeah, you're in provincial governance sometimes on our stuff. Um, here's how it generally splits out when it has to do with the mechanical or technological aspects of the vehicle itself, like the actual safety regulations on the vehicle. So the quality of whatever the processor, the camera, the seat belt doesn't matter what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. That stuff is generally controlled at the federal level, both in the US and in Canada. Right. So anything to do with how the system itself works is probably going to be overseen. Uh, and you're going to have to make your case as to why you believe in the safety of it, how it's going to directly to the federal agency in the U.S. NHTSA, and here it would be Transport Canada. Uh, as to the actual uh, legality of using it on the road, that's definitely a state and a provincial level thing because the highway codes in all of these districts are controlled by the states and the provinces. So you need to get past both. You need for the vehicles system itself, the integration into the vehicles, that's federal and then actually being allowed to use it on the road is going to come down to state by state and province by province. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like helmet laws for motorcyclists. It's oh, yeah. like, uh, it's like cell phone laws uh, for drivers. Every state you're in has their mm -hmm. own law. So you, you could cross the state border and you have to know heading into that state what the laws are. So if you are going to travel in your car, now whether the vehicle at some point has a software update so it knows when you're in a certain state what options are available, that'd be great. I mean, that's going to be difficult to do, I'm sure, from an encoding standpoint. But as of right now, if you're in a motorcyclist and you're driving from say Tallahassee, Florida into to Atlanta, Georgia, and let's say the helmet laws are different in both states, if you get cited for not having a helmet on, well, that's just your fault for not knowing the law. But each state's different. You can say, hey, in Florida, I don't have to wear a helmet, but you could be pulled over by a Georgia state police and go, you need to wear a helmet if you're going to go ride a motorcycle in Georgia. That's just what the laws are. So it is, uh, Ian made a great point there uh, comparing the two, and I, and I wanted to add my insight on that. Well, you, you actually just put the killer analogy to it is motorcycle helmets and a motorcycle uh, helmet. I was just about to say, Ian and I probably feel the same way. Go to New Hampshire or Florida and it <laughs> freaks us out. <laughs> no, that's, no, it does freak me out. Yeah. Um, I did it once and it's like, whoa. Yeah, I've done it once when I was in New Hampshire. I'd never again. But here's i got to wear thing. something on my noggin. I'll, I'll tell you mm -hmm. why Eric analogy is fantastic because it's the exact same thing. It's a federal agency that um, decides whether or not the helmet itself, the structure of the helmet passes safety. So USDOT is the minimum standard. You have to yeah. pass the Department of Transport helmet standards for, you know, penetration and crush and all that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. the federal agency will determine, yes, this is a safe helmet. It's legal for road use. And then each state by state will tell you if you're if you have to use it or not. Exact same thing. I see. Yeah. You nailed it. Wow, I did something great. <laughs> All right, next question comes from Kevin. Any word on enhanced summon release? Well, Elon did take to Twitter uh, sometime last week that he was testing it. Uh, well, actually, it was two weeks ago. He was testing um, a release um, on the weekend. He was saying that he was testing it personally. Uh, he says it's becoming soon, but, you know, Elon speaks soon. could be one week. It could be two months, so we don't really know. I would suspect... And I don't know this internally. Uh, we're on 16.2 now. Uh, probably wouldn't surprise me that it would come either in another .16 release or it could be waiting for like a 17 or an 18. We do know... I've heard 19 and 20 are two other releases that are coming. I don't know exactly when. I haven't heard anything about an 18 release, but who knows. So we'll keep our eyes peeled on that. Uh, I, I think that's one of those features that needs to be almost... I mean, it needs to be really, really good. You can't release it if it's going to be, you know, shady in any way. Because people are going to use this thing. Mm -hmm. 
right? Uh, right now, the current summon, uh, I don't use it very often. Enhanced summon, I hope, um, is something that I would really like to use. Um, it'll make a great demo when you're at car shows, that's for darn sure. Um, how much I use it, I don't know. But that's that's literally one of the features um, that really has to be, I will say, almost perfect um, for them to use that. So. Anyways. I want to quickly. I want to quickly add though that there are now vehicles uh, reported with six point three and six yes, I saw that. three dot one. Uh, so those are another mo- release. Those are, uh, yeah. So there's two releases. Very very few number of vehicles have dot one, um, but most some cars now. I think about three hundred cars have a uh, dot thirteen. Um, I'm sorry. Dot three. Excuse me. Um, sixteen dot three. Yeah. Error there. Yeah. Sixteen dot three. Um, but the, the thing is what some people are reporting is the screenshots I've seen on some of the forums is they are, uh, likely just bug fixes from existing releases. So a lot of stuff like ELA, uh, um, and other, uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry, emergency. And, and you know, oh, yes. All, all, right. All that I stuff still don't is, have those on my car, by the way. Really? Yeah. Interesting. It's probably just a regulatory thing here yet. Hmm. Could be. But yeah, it's, um, Ian, do you have that in yours? I didn't check. You're the worst. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> if it doesn't make the car go faster, it's, it's low on my list. <laughs> I, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> in any event, in any event, uh, yeah, they could just mostly be bug fixes at this point. So they're probably nothing, nothing major yet. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on that because that's a uh, that's a pretty cool feature. I think that we're going to see so many videos of that on YouTube. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. All right, last question of the evening before we wrap it up comes from Steve. He says, is the new P100D faster with the new motor and bearings? Um, Ian, your thoughts? Is, I do know that the range is certainly affected yeah. by this, especially with the bearings, because they put some new bearings in there yeah. um, that are uh, quite a bit less uh, less friction, of course. Yeah, exactly. You know what? I It never even occurred to me to, to go hunting, and I'm, I'm shocked that, you know, the usual suspects haven't been out there, like drag times and all the rest of them, you know, doing, uh, yeah. where's, uh, where's Eric? You know, like, where's all the guys that usually are, are first uh, to go? With these, I mean, is it maybe just a question of nobody's been able to get their hands on one of the new ones to uh, to try out a zero to sixty run? But I'm very curious because we don't know. You know, we know that that front motor is definitely more efficient. You know, is it any more powerful? Maybe it's a little bit less. I mean, we do know that the permanent magnet motors aren't quite so torquey at the very, very, very bottom, like the first few RPM. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Compared to the uh, the induction motors, so I'll be curious to see. I I, I know there's no way they're going to allow the car to be slower. That would be a terrible. Well, don't forget, Tesla tends to sandbag their performance numbers a bit, right? So what they what they advertise, like they're showing here, the standard range is four seconds. Uh, I'm talking Model S here. Uh, long range is three point seven, and the performance is three. Add the ludicrous, and it drops it to two point four. So they've so, kept the same number on the ludicrous. Yeah. And like I said, they tend to sandbag these numbers because we know, of course, we still, as far as I know, we still hold the Model 3 record, uh, the performance Model 3 at 3.12, even though the official is, what, 3.4 or something? I got so. my draggy baby. I'm waiting for that first plus 25 day. Come on. Uh, back, yeah, to answer the question, I, I guess it's going to be very, 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 very close. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully somebody will test that and we'll know for sure. We'll, we'd like to be able to do some testing. I know Eric on uh, the Tesla Inventory channel uh, was just looking at a brand new uh, Model S, the codename Raven. That's the one with new motors and stuff, and he was looking at the suspension and stuff. Strangely enough, it looks like he might be putting his Model X that he just got a month ago, a month and a half ago, up for sale. So, uh, 
I think he has more money than I do, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, you're, cool. you're, you're right. I saw that. He did like a little um, uh, chassis dyno test yep. with some of his instrumentation, and he, you had the different curves for basically what you were feeling in the cabin. Well, the suspension is definitely softer on the new system. Oh, yeah, so. it was unbelievable when you compared, you know, all of the impact curves for the, the three different systems. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm shocked that while he had his hands on it, he didn't go for some 060 ones. You know what? I'm just going to uh, – that just reminded me because um, someone had just asked me, I think it was a day or two ago on Twitter, a private messaged me. They said, any news on the air suspension for the Model 3? This could be a precursor to them adding it to the 3 in some kind of future update. Hmm. Who knows? Uh, well, there's no commonality. The, the suspension systems are completely different dimensionally in the rates and everything else. So there, there wouldn't maybe for the air pumps, there's a few things that they could share between them. Uh, that's a possibility. But well, I'm uh, just kind of going back on what Elon had said last year. He said that it was coming. Yeah. Now, oh, yeah at yeah, what yeah. point do they add it? I mean, it will be largely tied to some kind of higher end version of the Model Three. So yeah. something like a Performance Model Three, an update later this year or something like that. Maybe they could add that. One would hope. One would hope. Well, that brings it to the end of the show. Ian, since you're on the screen, where can people uh, reach reach you if they want to have a chit-chat with you? Well, just before we get to that, I'm going to give a little special shout-out on two uh, two things. My uh, One of my oldest and dearest friends, uh, Michael Triffin, uh, was the uh, kind contributor of this nice Blue Yeti mic, uh, the very oh, same yes. that uh, Mr. Camacho uses. So if you uh, have noted any improvement in the audio coming out of my house, we can thank Mike for this uh, generous contribution to our podcast cause. And uh, I'm going to reward Mr. Triffin by uh, giving him a ride down to the Tesla store tomorrow so uh, I can enjoy in the fun and um, greet his delivery. Yeah, his delivery day tomorrow. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So another one, baby. Another one signed up. Another one. Mike with the mic. Mike with the mic. Mike with the mic. So on that note, yes. We'll be there with bells on tomorrow morning, Mike. If you're listening tonight, I know he's 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 now a, a fervent podcast listener, so he'll he'll be up listening to this the second you put it up the audio tonight. And then uh, to find me, yes, on Twitter at Ian Pavelko. Um, the handles, well, the nickname is Matt Hungarian. The actual handle is at Ian Pavelko. <laughs> on the Tesla Owners Online forum, it is Mad Hungarian. Um, anytime you want information on wheels, tires, and the odd technical tidbit, I might be of some use to you. Please just tag me. Do the Beetlejuice thing. Type, type it in three times so to make sure I don't miss it and I'm glad to contribute and uh, finally if you're looking for uh, some custom Tesla wear such as the classic Evolve shirt that I'm wearing tonight yes sir uh, for the uh, new uh, here it is we have the mug version yes but, love mm -hmm. my mug there we go the weapons of mass adoption uh-huh so you can get all of that on teespring.com. Uh, just look for teespring, T-E-E-S-P-I-R-N-G. Well, Trev, you're going to put the link. Always. Um, .com and uh, go to Mad Hungarian's Evolve Wear, and uh, you will find the collection. Great. Thank you. Uh, Eric, where can people find you on the internet? Twitter.com forward slash ECFIX. And I've now eclipsed 700 followers on Twitter. Uh, I think the majority of them are not bots. So, hey, <laughs> fantastic. Any fudsters in the I list? Produ I produced zero videos, and I've got 700 followers that want to hear my nonsense. Good so, for you. Let's build up that count there. Follow EC Fix, guys. Come on. Get with the program. Thanks so much. All right. Well, I guess that leaves me as the last guy on the totem pole here. Um, well, you can find me on Twitter. The handle's at Model3Owners. Uh, don't forget to check out the forum at TeslaOwnersOnline.com. My short handle name on there is Trev P. 
I am the uh, administrator or whatever, so you can tag me on there. And uh, lastly, I just want to say thank you to everybody, our sponsors, EvanX, uh, the guys at Dulaban Insurance, and the great guys at Fine Lab who do the great ceramic coatings. I just had my car uh, control wash done last week and man alive is it ever smooth I love that product it's really great and uh, lastly if you like the show and you'd like to sponsor us and help us out a little bit you can check out the uh, page at patreon.com slash model 3 owners club uh, whatever it takes a dollar or two a month doesn't take much it helps out to keep things going buys things like you know big hard drives and stuff to, to do the videos and store this podcast and pay for the fees anyways enough about all that stuff That's it for this show, and we will catch you on the next one. Same time, same bat channel, we hope. Anyways, we might do this uh, one, uh, I don't know, we're going to go back to Thursdays next week? Uh, It depends. Scheduling and stuff has been difficult over the last few times, so we we work it out. But um, anyways, thanks for listening, watching, no matter where you happen to be, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. See you guys. Bonsoir tout le monde.